Christian, it's an important worship service, and I'm, uh, I'm sorry that a lot of Jesus followers miss out on an uh, impactful sort of worship time together on Good Friday. It's, um, it's the different service, right? We talk about energy and excitement a lot when we gather on Sunday mornings, but this tone is different. It's the time when we are more somber and we're more reflective because we want to look back and focus on and remember he who is our suffering servant and the man of sorrows and what it meant for him to do his terribly important work on the cross. So we look back and we remember and we hope that it draws us closer to Jesus every time we do this. So I'm really glad you're here and I trust that you're anticipating a time for the Spirit of God to move among us as we look back on Good Friday. Pray with me, please. God, we are mindful of what it means for us to gather on this day. We're going to focus on the cross. We're going to focus on the suffering Savior on that last day. And we do that so that we never forget and we never take for granted what it meant for Jesus to do what he did for us. So God, I pray as we're here just for a few minutes tonight, as we look back, I pray that you would stir in our hearts whatever needs to be stirred. God, I pray that you would remind us what it meant for Jesus to go to the cross. And I pray that you would be with us tonight as we've gathered here for worship because we do want to worship. We want to lift up the name of Jesus, even in the more reflective and somber times. God, I do pray that through tonight, you would draw us closer to the Savior. And I pray that you would bless our time together. In his name we pray, amen.
this evening we want to prepare uh, to take partake communion together and so i want to give just a few instructions and then we'll look into the gospel and see what it has to say but just to set it up uh, at bueller mb we believe in open communion meaning if you are a follower of jesus and you've put your faith and trust in him you're welcome to partake in communion with us um, how it's going to work this evening is uh, i'm going to go and explain some things and look into the scripture but then i'm going to pray and after I pray, we'll just give you a time, and as you feel led, you can come up front and partake communion at the stations, and then go back to your seat. So you're welcome to partake by yourself, or with a group of people, or with your family, but we're asking you to partake uh, communion up front um, and after I pray. So as we dive into the, the Last Supper, we're going to look in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 26. We're going to start in verse 17. It says, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? And Jesus replied, go to the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, and I think this is important, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. Jesus kind of gives this one little phrase that sticks out to me is, my appointed time is near. I wonder if the disciples knew really what he was talking about when he said, my appointed time is near, but sometimes we have the reality of looking through the whole story and kind of leaning on and knowing what his appointed time was going to be. Jesus had a plan. God's, he was going to follow God's will, and that plan and his appointed time meant he had to go to the cross. And so Jesus kind of sets up this Last Supper, this communion with his disciples, saying there's a plan and there's a purpose. Then he gets going into the evening. In verse 20, it says, When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples are very sad and began to say to him, one after another, Surely not I, Lord. So now as they're reclining at the table and they're about to, they're eating this last supper and about to take communion, this kind of change goes on and Jesus knew a little bit what was going on, but the disciples might have been a little shocked. A betrayal? How could that be at this point? This, this surely isn't the plan, is it? And so they said the disciples had this great sadness and so they kind of set up this meal with a little bit of a betrayal and we knew that one of the disciples, Judas, of course, was going to be the one to betray him. But even through all of that, Jesus knew my appointed time is near. It kind of sets up then as they move into taking this communion or this representation of what we're going to do tonight of setting up the cross and what it was going to mean for Jesus to go to the cross and how his body was going to be broken and his blood was going to be spilled for uh, the forgiveness of our sins. But Jesus knew that that was the will of the Father and he needed to do that. And so then Jesus goes on in verse 26 and he says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. <clears throat> and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and offered to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus' time was near. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for what you did for us as we reflect on the cross, as that kind of symbolizes and it's foreshadowing right here of what you were going to go do for us and to forgive us of our sins and how that was the plan. And so we are thankful for the suffering servant, what you had to endure on our behalf, and we're so thankful, and we praise you. 
And as we take time to partake communion together, may we reflect on all that you have done for us. We're thankful, and we're thankful for what you're willing to do. And we pray this in your name. This is communion, your body broken, the cup we're drinking is bittersweet, the gift of friendship, truest salvation, born of your suffering on Calvary. We remember the sacrifice of love. We remember the blood poured out for us. We remember the only Son of God upon the cross. From stain to spotless, from wrath to favor, through you, our Savior, the work complete. In full repentance, led by your kindness, partake of presence as we receive. We remember the sacrifice of love. We remember the blood poured out for us. We remember the only Son of God upon the cross. We remember the price you had to pay. We remember the wounds that made away. We remember the Lamb for all was slain upon the cross. How can it be? There is a table for all who would come, for all who would come. Taste now and see, there is a table for all who would come, for all who would come. Take of the bread, receive the cup, for his mercy is enough for the many and the one. This is communion. Take it as often as you will. For his blood is power still. By his wounds we shall be healed. This is communion. Take of the bread, receive the cup. For his mercy is enough. For the many and the one. This is communion. Take it as often as you will, for his blood has power still. 
by his wounds we have been healed this is communion we remember the sacrifice of love we remember the blood poured out for us we remember the only son of god upon the remember the price you had to pay we remember the wounds that made away we remember the lamb for all was slain upon the cross take of the bread receive the cup for his mercy is enough for the many and the one. This is communion. Take it as often as you will, for his blood has power still. By his wounds we shall be healed. This is communion. Take of the bread, receive the cup, for his mercy is enough. For the many and the one, this is communion. Take it as often as you will, for his blood has power still. By his wounds we have been healed. This is communion. This is communion. quick picture of the events following the Last Supper, because that's how Good Friday started. The disciples gathered with Jesus and had that supper together where Jesus made those incredible, uh, those incredible comments. This is my blood poured out for you, my body broken for you. They finish up the supper, won't get all the details in, but they head to a place called Gethsemane. Jesus spent a lot of time there when he was interested in solitude and prayer. Uh, we can't really grasp that, what it meant for Jesus to be alone with the Father uh, 
blows your mind in some ways, but it was important. He takes the disciples with him. He actually takes three of his closest disciples with him, and he asks them to pray. You remember some of the stories. They just can't stay awake. They're so sleepy. And he, this, is when, this is when the weight of this task really starts to come on to Jesus. And it gets to the point where you remember the stories, perhaps. He asks Peter, James, and John, come with me. Can you just pray with me? Keep watch. And then he goes a little farther away and he prays and he says this incredible sentence, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not as I will, but yours be done. We can't imagine. We can't imagine the Son of God asking for this cup to be taken. Gives us a good picture of what's in store for him. But he says, not my will, but yours be done. Those three poor guys, they just couldn't stay awake. And I don't know if they were embarrassed or just uh, clumsy. But what happens next is a crowd starts to gather. Turns out that one of his own, like Dustin alluded to, one of his own comes and is the one that leads them, leads these officials and these uh, soldiers to Jesus. And he's really uh, devious about it because he comes and says to them, the one that I kiss is the one you're after. You need to arrest him. And so then we have this line from Jesus. Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And this doesn't even mention what's coming, the, the further betrayal by Peter that uh, the story goes, denies him three times. In the end, everybody left. The soldiers, however you want to create the scene, it's important for us to remember. The soldiers come, the rest of these people, the crowd comes, and uh, it turns out the disciples flee. They're gone. Jesus is taken away, he's arrested, and there are trials, you know, in the best sense of the word, I guess they were trials. It was more like a kangaroo court in a lot of ways. Um, in the end, he's shuffled about in their political system, before Pilate, before Herod, back to Pilate and all that. In the middle of this, we know that this is, again, when the hard work of this task of Jesus has really started to take root. And you start to see the darkness, the ugliness of it. Because Jesus is mocked and beaten, he starts to endure physically everything that's represented to this huge spiritual task that he has. And the word says they put a purple robe on him, twisted together a crown of thorns, set it on him. Again and again they struck him on the head and spit on him. Again, we can't really probably fathom just because of cultural things and ancient times and all that, but it was a crazy, crazy atmosphere. And the crowd that had just, you know, a week earlier been chanting, Hosanna, our king is here, can't be convinced that his life should even be spared. The Roman governor, Pilate, says, I've looked, I've talked to this guy, there's no reason for him to be executed, what do you want me to do with him? And we can talk about Barabbas and the whole exchange thing and all that. But the voice of the crowd was very clear. 
Crucify him. Crucify him. So after all the ruckus and all the ridiculous trials and beatings and mockings, finally Pilate gave in to their wishes. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. And that leads us to the cross. Crucifixion is an awful way to die. I know if you've followed Jesus for any number of years, you've probably heard this before, but it's just a reminder tonight again. It was a terrible, brutal, 
agonizing sort of execution. You really died from asphyxiation, and it was a long process on the cross. And we know from the writers of the Gospels that Jesus actually spoke on the cross in the middle of his execution. And we typically boil them down to about seven words or phrases from the cross, and some of them are more memorable than others. We remember especially the incredible statement Jesus makes, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Incredible. And we may remember as he was breathing his last, into your hands I commit my spirit. But I want to talk about one of those words tonight. And that word is tetelestai. One word in Greek, three words for us in English. And those words are, it is finished. Tetelestai, it is finished. Such powerful, impactful, significant words. It is finished. But what? What was finished? We have some great clues and indications about this phrase, about this word, as we've studied it. Uh, it turns out, tetelestai is a business word, mostly. It's a completed transaction, an agreement fulfilled. Simply put, we might say, paid in full. You know, in the proper setting, and except for the agonizing atmosphere of a crucifixion, of an execution, and, and all that we can say about that, uh, this word is a victorious word. It's an achievement, and it might actually be filled with happiness in the right setting. It is finished. There's nothing else to be done. It has this sense of accomplishment. It might be the equivalent for a final car payment for us today, or even reaching the top of a high mountain peak after climbing all day. Tetelestai, it is finished. Or even running a marathon and getting to the finish line. It is finished. And again, mostly the idea of a transaction in the business world. But if the deal was completed, Jesus just said so on the cross, what, what deal was he talking about? What was completed? What was paid for? In his infinite power, in his divine knowledge, in his incredible wisdom, and in his perfection and his holiness, God himself, the creator of the universe, the only one that has no equal or no rival, God made the arrangement for us. As disobedient, rebellious, sinful, evil people, we've had our debt taken care of by Jesus. This is the debt, let's remind ourselves, this is the debt that keeps us separated from that God of the universe. And ultimately, that debt leads to death. Not even just physical death, every which way, death. We couldn't take care of it ourselves. There was nothing we could do on our own. We could not make this deal. We could not close this deal. So God had Jesus make this deal 
for us. He took sin and evil on himself. He became our perfect sacrifice. The terrible work of bearing our sin and shame on the cross. To tell us die.
Jesus has spoken over us. Death has lost its sting. We are forgiven. His blood is our victory. He took our place. He traded death so we could live. To tell us die. So he said, on the cross, Jesus completed the deal. He accomplished it. He finished. Here's what that means for us. If we're reminded of Isaiah 53 from the beginning of the service, written hundreds of years, the prophecy before this, as it addressed God's servant, the Messiah, Jesus himself, here's what Tetelestai means for us. He took our pain. He carried our sorrows. Again, I'll say this several more times tonight. We couldn't do it ourselves. So he took our pain. He carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. That seems so poetic and so artsy to say he was pierced for our transgressions. He was literally pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the reminder, once again, we couldn't make this deal ourselves. We're too broken. We're too inept. We're too sinful. We're too evil. And that's why it's really quite a somber, sobering reality. Jesus himself, the perfect, sinless one, the only one who didn't deserve the punishment the perfect Lamb of God, He took this punishment for us. A couple of ways to think about it. Our account. Our account is credited by Jesus' perfection. And we are righteous because of Him. Nothing we could have done. But our account is, makes us righteous. The punishment that He took on the cross brings us peace now initially sure you think yeah if he's taking care of my sin and my evil that would bring peace most importantly it brings us peace with god the almighty god of the universe that we have not been at peace with through jesus work on the cross we have peace we're healed in every way and ironically again we're healed by his wounds we're justified we're justified before God because of this deed. And in God's plan and wisdom, we are justified. That was his plan the whole time, to reconcile us to himself. God grants us mercy, grace, forgiveness. Now, somebody may well ask, well, how does that work? That was a couple thousand years ago. The interesting thing when you look at this word deeper, it's got the sense in the grammar, uh, it's got the sense of the deal being done and it is still in effect. It is still in effect. Jesus made this sacrifice for us and it works for us all these years later because it was in God's plan. Even though God had the plan to lay all of mankind, this is a complete and a very... Uh, uh, far-reaching deal done because we know that God laid the iniquity of all mankind on him. 
And the cool thing when we think about that this is ongoing for us is that in Christ, we have intercession. We have intercession with the God of the universe. We have somebody who says, hey, I'll take you in to meet God. He's right here. He wants to talk to you. And we can do that because of what Jesus did on the cross. Great part of the story. When Jesus died, the veil on the temple was torn. The veil on the temple was torn when Jesus said, it is finished. To tell us die. There I was, standing shamefully in a courtroom, surrounded by demons on my left and angels on my right, Satan as the prosecutor, holding millions of records about my life and God, sitting on his bench with a mighty gavel in his hand. I had no lawyer placed on trial for things such as lying, stealing, and fornication. This was the beginning of my tribulation. There was no reason to plead an innocent statement, for all the evidence was sitting right there with Satan. The demons smiled as tears rolled from the judge's eyes, for they clearly knew that this was the hour of my demise. But wait. In came a light shining so bright that the demon smiling suddenly jumped with fright. And the man that walked in that night was none other than Jesus Christ. Darkness departed to give way as the man that walked in that night pulled out a lighter and immediately set Satan's records against me on fire. He took the sentence file and erased my name, looked me in the eye and said, Daughter, I'll take the blame. Handcuffs were placed on this man and he was thrown to the ground. The entire courtroom gasped at the horrendous sound and the sudden cease of his beating heart. That man that walked in glowing had now become dark. I did this to him. My lying, my stealing, my cheating. He took the pain and spent three days in the hell that I was to go to for eternity. I left the courtroom that day. There was nothing I could say. I was found innocent, for Christ handled the debt that I was to pay. This type of love is more than you can get from a girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, or wife. This man died for me. I owe him my life. And even though my life is not at all worth it, for how could you ever trade perforated for perfect? But I gave my life to Christ and suddenly picked up a mop. 
because the lying, cursing, cheating, all that had to stop. And it would be a shame to just sit there and do nothing but let it rot. Oh, I'm not perfect. And the will to sin hasn't completely diminished from my life, but I believe Jesus' words when he died for me on that cross. It is finished. To tell us die. Now, some of you savvy Jesus followers might be wondering, was it, was it really done on the cross or was it three days later in the empty tomb? <laughs> it's not split hairs about it, but let me give you my perspective on it. The hard work, the hard work of bearing all of our sin and evil was on the cross. Defeating death, that was easy done the hard work and so in some ways we anticipate resurrection sunday as a thing that seals the deal to tell us die let's pray god we're so thankful when we were powerless dead in our transgressions and sins you had a plan and it was Jesus bearing the weight of all of that for us and for him to go through that we can't even imagine but we rejoice we rejoice in Tetelestai it is finished the deal's been made and you made it for us so God I pray that as we look back and we remember we will draw closer to the one who did it all for us God, I pray that the name of Jesus would resound and be honored in every which way in our lives. We look with anticipation. To the sealing of the deal with Jesus rising from the dead. But we know it took today to get to Sunday. So we ask you to be with us. We ask you to bless us. We ask you to remind us and draw us near. We love you, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming tonight. I want to encourage you to go, not so much in peace, but in the promise of Tetelestai.